All right, hey, hello everybody. This is Billy Rainford from Direct Motocross. Welcome to another podcast here. Uh, tonight, today, we have got uh, someone who, well, this guy's fast becoming our go-to guy when it comes to, well, I'll be honest, when it comes to events we don't want to do, we uh, we got, <laughs> we'll, we'll call this guy, and fortunately, he loves this stuff. So uh, if you haven't already guessed, I'm talking about Jared Stock from out in Alberta there, lives out in Calgary now. Jared was on a recent uh, sortie into the old uh, Red Bull Outliers in Calgary and uh, around the area. But uh, let's uh, bring Jared in here. Jared, how you doing? Doing awesome, Billy. Thanks. Uh, thanks for the phone call. Thanks for having me, and thanks for the for the weekend as well. It was uh, it was interesting to say the least. Did I uh, did I say that right? Probably. If there's something we don't want to do, you you kind of love the stuff. Yeah, you know what I'm. Uh, seems to be that uh there's got this disease that i always like a challenge and uh quickly getting the nickname of off the couch racer um <laughs> he's been trying to retire for a couple of years now and for some reason every time i get the opportunity to take another kick in the can just for fun it's uh i can't say no so it's uh off the couch racer it's been my thing for the last couple of years and i'm thinking about making it a career otc off the couch off the couch i like it Okay, well, let's, um, there's, you know, there's probably some people you have been, you, you know, like you just said, you keep trying to retire, you've been out of the sport for, uh, you know, full time for a couple of years out of the motocross scene, the pro moto scene anyway, but uh, let's back it way up here and then we'll get to the kind of stuff. Let's, uh, let's fill some people in on who you are and, uh, you know, your name is Jared Stock. Where did you grow up? I uh, grew up in Medicine Hat, Alberta for the first 22 years of my life. Okay, let's stop it right there. I knew this okay. already, so I had to ask you, motocross hero Ross Peterson back in the day, uh, or you you had to know what was going on there. Yeah, I did uh, for sure. He was uh, always the the kind of uh, idol. I mean, back in there, and I would just kind of look at driving around. I never met him until I was probably the last couple of years I was racing out of Medicine Hat, but I always knew of like the iconic spots that uh, Ross would always go train in Medicine Hat, and I ended up actually living kind of close to some of the stairs he used to run the infamous stairs up by up and down one of the valleys and um <laughs> i always tried to be his record that was my goal he, he took me there once him and i went and ran some stairs and uh that was my goal i just wanted to be his records <laughs> i feel like i know exactly where that is can you see it in that little valley when you drive through uh this one the ones that he took me to were down behind a funeral home on oh. i think it's Dunmore drive or something like that i can't remember the name exactly but it's uh, kind of more downtown, right off downtown. So it's not next to the world's largest teepee? No, it's not next to that one, but I have also ran around those areas a little bit as well. My, that's one of the other, there's like on the right-hand side of the highway going uh, east, there's like a bike path. And my dad said that used to be like the step up back in the day. <laughs> nice. But I'd have to get chased by the police if I wanted to do that myself. <laughs> Which... Not too fond of doing that these days. With my sister being a police officer, got to keep the the, the name of the good book. Oh, that's right. She's now a police officer. She's no longer with the. You know, obviously, she's not with Fox anymore. But uh, interesting. No. Interesting. Yeah, so I got a I got a name drop every once in a while to get myself out of trouble. But is so she a cop in Calgary? Good. She's a cop, city cop in Calgary. Yeah. A city cop. Oh, okay, that does come in handy. But yeah. Yeah, except for it probably only can twist my arm ever so much, and then I'm probably going to not get away with it too often. you got to put the sticker on the on the back of your car. My sister is an officer here in town. Exactly. Maybe they'll double think about pulling me over. <laughs> it's like my buddies who are firefighters. They all put the, you know, they don't want to advertise that they're necessarily firefighters, but they say it helps if they get pulled over. 
Oh, totally. I imagine. <laughs> okay, man. So how, how old are you now? Uh, I think I'm 28. Uh, born in 1990, so that makes me 28. I'll be 29 this year, which is which is crazy. Okay, okay. So uh, old enough to know better, but still young enough to to ignore that. Totally. The years keep adding on, and the um, the mentality is somewhere around 18, 19 still. However, the body and responsibility seems to keep going along with the years. Right. Well, I'm way older than you, man. And, and trust me, that doesn't change mentally. I'm still, yeah, that, that part doesn't change. Your body falls apart, but <laughs> mentally, <laughs> and I'm sure mentally I'll fall apart soon too. But uh, <laughs> that's, that's my fear. It's just the mental stability one day is just going to go out the window. <laughs> <laughs> hey, now I just, uh, I put up a photo of Peter Derry up on Instagram just this afternoon. And I was like, kind of a moto dad kind of thing and i know like you yeah. guys were staples at, at the races you and your parents and stuff like that now how did you get into moto in the first place is it from your parents or how did that come around yeah my dad was a long time racer um very involved in the community race and motorcycles and medicine hat and he started when he was like 14 i think was kind of when he got into his racing days and then um him and in a, in a very close group of, of folks in the hat were starting the tracks and then kind of keeping that club alive for a very very long time and then um that's kind of just how we got introduced to it it was a very much family oriented sport as i think with a lot of folks did a lot of camping uh, a lot of off-road kind of riding just for fun and then i uh got the taste of hitting my first jump when i was think was i was probably around maybe 10 or 11 something like that and then um kind of got hooked on more of the the motocross side of things, but was kind of just more of a casual off-road rider up until then, and then race. That's how I got going to end up getting into motocross racing. Okay. Now, I always ask people this one, too, and it's sometimes there's interesting stories, other times not, but what did you choose for your first ever racing number? Uh, my first ever racing number was 31, which uh, just came on the uh, bike that my dad had bought me <laughs> from Kijiji uh, or whatever the platforms were back then. I don't think TGG existed, but it just was on the bike already that I bought a KX65 and number 31 was plastered on there. So I uh, went with that one to my first race. Uh, then um, the uh, somebody else ended up having it, and so I had to run 32. And then 32 was my number all the way up until I went pro. So you have to run your top 100 number. And then I added in a 7, which got me to 732, and that's kind of my been my go-to number ever since, um, not racing any um any of the pro series in, in canada i've just been 732 whenever i can be see now that's kind of a crappy story because it was just the number that was on your bike but because there are three <laughs> there are three levels to it i it uh, you, you saved the story there i know i really have to i didn't even ask if you wanted a further story i just know i had to elaborate cause it's not a cool <laughs> enough story <laughs> yeah it came on the bike is never a good that's not good enough <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly it's, i could probably look into whose bike it was and maybe there's some significance there but that would require some serious digging. Yeah, that's, that's that's probably more than you're willing to do at this point. To, answer, to answer this one question. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what did, did you play any other sports? Like you said, you started like when you were 10 or whatever, but were you into other sports mm -hmm. as well? Um, so I played like rep league soccer um, pretty much all the way up until uh, I think actually until I decided to take dirt biking as like a full-time thing. I played on my high school team and then rep league for, for medicine hat. And then a couple of Alberta teams, I think for, for like summer games. And then I think I was about 17 when I stopped playing soccer full time and went 
to just racing dirt bikes uh, right when I was about to graduate high school. Okay, okay. Now, um, okay. So what? Other um, than that, can't do anything else. Can't ski, can't snowboard, can't swim. You can't just ski or snowboard living in Calgary? Else. I know. I don't even... I tried skiing a couple of years ago, and it was probably the most terrifying thing I've done in my life. Really? Wow. Yeah. I can mountain bike okay these days, but other than that, I'm not for swimming. Like, I'd like to be a lake person, but I just find that my body's not buoyant anymore. Never has been, so I just, my excuse. It's not that I don't have the effort to swim. I just, I don't have that extra uh, energy on my side to uh, be buoyant, so I just sink. Well, you don't exactly have that uh, typical swimmer's body. I think you got your height from your parents, perhaps. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's been kind of my, like, I've been lying on, like, uh, back in the day, the dating profiles that said 5'10", but just not there. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. <laughs> but I did, uh, luckily, uh, you know, the last person that I met that I'm still with, uh, I lied on my profile, 510. She said it wouldn't, wouldn't, wouldn't win any other way if it wasn't, so I'm getting a lot. That's hilarious. See, that opened the door for you, and then obviously, exactly. how, how tall are you? Can you tell I, us? I, I'm 5'9", so you, it's, uh, it's, a good, it's a good thing. I just need the door to open, and then I just need to use my weight and charm. So. See, you know what? There's a... There's a uh, a psychological profile we could do because when someone has a story and the story is never good enough so they always add something to it it's like no the story was good before you did that see five nine was fine what's the five ten what's the big deal yeah i i think that's just i don't know to be honest i thought i just tried to measure myself and i just went for the excuse that i shrunk since the last time i measured myself all right well i'm gonna pull one of my psychology books off the bookshelf here and we'll we'll, uh, we'll get you sorted out okay perfect let me know <laughs> All right, so who do you, okay, so um, who would you have come up with then? I mean, racing in Medicine Hat and then moving up through through the amateurs and stuff like that. Who was your big rival? Rival? Uh, who did it, like rival wise? Yeah, who did you come up with? Uh, jeez. I think like in Southern Alberta, it was like the George DeGraff, Luke First, Todd Sewell, um, and then the Allisons were in that mix. Uh, and then kind of later on a little bit came Keelan Meston. Um, I'd say he's probably, you know, I remember him, like, I think I was already pro when he came into pro and, and that was kind of the last guy in my, in my motocross days. But those are kind of the handful of guys. I think remembering most of the battles back in the day was, was often, you know, George, George and, and Luke and Todd was kind of the big, the big ones that I can remember as far as full on, uh, battle out every weekend for cash. All right now, where are the Allisons compared to you? I guess they're a bit older. Uh, I think the Allisons are. I think they're only a touch older than me, but within the same year. Okay. Mm -hmm. But they were a lot faster. They were way faster than I was back in the day. So I think skill level wise, they were always um, a little bit beyond my skill level. So I think I was a little bit of a late bloomer in the speed wise speed division. So I wasn't really full time racing them until um, you know until I got to the pro class. All right. Now, what year was that that you turned pro? I turned pro in 2010. Oh, okay, okay. So I raced a year of intermediate in 2008 uh, and then broke my wrist and then had to redo intermediate in 2009 and then raced the whole circuit in 2009 as an intermediate and then at the end of that went to pro in 2010. Okay, I'll have to go to my 2009 photos and dig one out of you. Yeah, I was, uh, I think the... Back in my involvement in direct would have been that factor router for a day back in that program. 
Right, right. I think. Okay. But that was uh, still back in the day, yeah. So that was actually RaceRex. I guess that was RaceRex Canada at the time. But... Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that was that was a that was a good year. That was a fun year. First year getting a lot of experience as an intermediate and kind of seeing how much more work I actually had to put in to be successful. Yeah, I, I mean, I talked to everybody about that. Like, it's you know, you're intermediate. You you race a you know a pro guy or whatever you know you happen to get lapped and i mean i talk about this all the time it's like it either sends you to university like it did to me <laughs> or <laughs> or you bear down and go you know what i know what i have to do i gotta train harder and get that fast for me it was like i will never get that fast so that was it <laughs> totally i probably could have taken that route um i think for me motocross was the wrong avenue you know <laughs> hindsight 2020 as you know a discipline in racing i think i was much more uh i got much more a, appropriately um like my skill set was just a little bit more tuned towards off-road and uh had a bit more success in that and i chased i'm really happy with my motocross career i definitely didn't do as good as i wanted to and i ran out of money before i really could put in a full effort but i'm still still happy with it i think it's a good education good system to, to learn a lot of your life skills in and your discipline and and uh just general how to you know how to win at things Right. Now, this is, obviously, this has turned into a little bit of a, this is your life, Jared Stock, but because there's not much work involved other than talking on my part, it's just, <laughs> I'm not typing this, so, it's, so I don't, you know, it's kind of fun. I mean, some people will go, oh, yeah, Jared Stock. Other people are like, yeah, what's Jared Stock doing now? Other people are like, Jared who? Oh, that's who. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so it's kind of, you know what I mean? So it's kind of, it's kind of cool to do these once in a while. I want to do actually more of the, this is your life type cool. ones or where are they now type things. But anyway, so we'll, we'll uh, just briefly talk about a couple more things before we get to uh, this past weekend, but uh what what would you say over all the years? What was your best race, motocross? Uh, best race was my probably my first top ten finish in Calgary. I remember just battling it out with with uh, George, and we uh, just kind of took each other up to up to the top ten, and and uh, it was just a, just one of those days where you're like, yeah, I just rode exactly how I know I can ride, and mentally, physically, everything was on you know on point, and so that was just a really cool race that is kind of forever memorable. One of the jerseys I've kept forever. As far as motocross racing goes, I'd say that's the top one for sure. Okay. Now you, um, obviously you, you mentioned the off-road stuff too. And I mean, you got a, a lot of, a lot of history there and, uh, and experience in that. And of course, that's why we have you, uh, it's awesome that we have you doing these, uh, kind of these interesting events that uh, we've done the past couple here. So that's kind of fun, but going into the, um, off-road stuff you mentioned when you first started maybe you're doing more trail riding and stuff but how did you transition into you know isde for example yeah so it was 2012 i was uh, i think i officially kind of made the call to stop racing you know so i got to two years 2010 2011 and and uh made two years of racing uh pro and i was like you know maybe uh maybe school's the route. And so I went back to school, moved to Calgary and, um, and then just through some of the connections we were right. I was writing for magazine for, um, IMX at the time. And they had a lot of involvement in, uh, in helping out some of the off-road guys for the, the guys and gals for, um, the six days team. And so I was kind of stepping away from motocross and, and then just this opportunity came up to, um, you know, have a chance at racing for the six days team. And, and uh, because I had a little bit of off-road background, and I think, you know, some people had known that, um, and with my, you know, a handful of years of racing pro motocross, I thought there's, they thought it would be a good fit. And um, and so I got that opportunity to take a kick at the can in Italy in 2012. Yeah, 2012. And so um, that ended up being kind of the, 
the uh, the route to go in that in that, and so that's kind of how that whole six days thing started. Um, and then had a really great time. The first year I went over there, got really hungry to excel and do better. And so that was kind of the uh, the drive behind that. And then after that, I just was hungry to go compete for a country and then just for my own betterment to see how good I could get and how, you know, what sort of results I could post up for Canada was kind of the new motivation that kind of drove me uh, to come back to racing. Because at that point, I thought going back to school is the route to kind of just pursue different things. How many times did you do the six days? Uh, So Italy in 2012, or sorry, 2013, I went to Italy. 2014, I went to Argentina. And 2015, I went to Slovakia. Wow, man, that's that's amazing. And then are those, looking back over the stuff you've done, are those, well, maybe not from this weekend, but were those the toughest things you've ever done? Um, I would say, like, the race is for sure mentally, you know, pretty tough over six days. I mean, that's that midway point when you wake up at 5 a.m., it's, like, dark and cold, and you just want to, like, stay in bed, and think you just, you're like, oh, man, I got three more days of this. Um, I think that, Part of it was pretty grueling, but past the six days, the, the toughest events, bar none, hands down, that I've ever raced are the GNCCs oh, okay. uh, in the eastern states. Uh. Right, right. I kind of, oh yeah, I forgot about those two. <laughs> you know, here's, mm-hmm. hey, get, how about this? If I can put this together and talk to the right people, would you go do the Erzberg <laughs> race? I would 100% do it for personal bucket list. Um, I, but if that would be something, I'd probably want to spend an entire year training for that. Well, get on the bike tomorrow. All right, deal. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure that we could line if that was the, if that was happening. I would uh, I could easily be motivated. Actually, that'd be sweet because that for me it's like I like having like little goals outside of my regular life these days to to keep myself active and. Like that's a, that would be pretty cool. I think that's something that I really would like to put my attention to if that was the case. Nice. Keep myself involved and fit and, and in the industry. I think it's, it's just always something I'm looking to do because this industry has been great as far as uh, my development and, and kind of that series. So I like it. I okay. like the idea. All right. Me too. I'd like to go to Austria too. That would be cool. I'm okay with that. Just go to another gravel pit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We've got enough of them around here. I should be able to practice just, you know, pretty close. That's true. Yeah, I right. think that's the coolest thing about training for that event is I'm pretty sure we got some of the craziest terrain in Alberta here to uh, to practice on that kind of stuff. I've been up to the, you know, 8,000 feet with uh, with my buddy Paul Petron, and he's just been, you know, showing me the works in the off-road series, in the off-road scene. And so, like, I think we just have the ultimate training grounds here, too, to, to be able to put out some pretty good results if, if we had the people that wanted to put the efforts in to do it. Right. Well, let's not forget it just snowed in September this weekend, so it may not be perfect. But <laughs> yeah, I'm still looking at a couple inches of snow out my window at the moment, which is terrifying. Dude, we, you know what? We're going to 29 degrees tomorrow Celsius. I don't even understand how we're in the same country. I know it's it's a weird thing going on. We got a weird south wind anyway. But uh, yeah, we're <laughs> cycling in shorts and singlets, singlets, whatever. But, yeah. Uh, Hey, okay, so you okay? So we got moto. Grew up racing the moto. You've got the uh, ISDE. You got some GNCC stuff, and then you school. To, you went to school, and uh, what did you take at school? Uh, so I went to school for petroleum engineering technology for a two-year diploma at uh, SAIC in Calgary. Here, right? Okay, okay. And you graduated. Now you're working full time, right? 
Yeah, I graduated in actually 2014. Um, and I worked on drilling rigs previously right out of high school to pay for racing. That was kind of my path. And that's kind of why I went to school is just because it's the only thing I really knew dirt biking and dirt biking in the oil field. So, um, when I, when dirt biking was no longer an option, I just went right back to what I knew. And so I went to, to the school for that. And, you know, ultimately, um, at that time I was still pretty, you know, had hopes and dreams. And so I, I still stuck around the motorcycle industry for, you know, a couple of years after graduating, kind of pursuing, just different opportunities and ended up working for FXR and, and KTM and, and in that window. And then ultimately I'm now back working full-time in oil and gas um, on more of the closure side of things and the environmental liability stuff. Okay. Okay. Is it, uh, is it good times or what? Um, yeah, the industry is, is interesting. Um, I think that's part of the reason why, you know, I'm drawn to it is because it's a challenge. Um, you know, seeing the, 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 the world's kind of shifting in the production of fossil fuels and, and, you know, more to the green energy and, and how, you know, so for me, it's kind of a, it's a, it's another challenge to, you know, me being in the oil and gas side of things. Um, you know, it's, it's a challenge to help people see, you know, what, what actually goes on and, and the work we do is, is on the closure side of things and helping, um, you know, the liability and manage the liabilities and environmental side of things so it's interesting it's kind of a good mix um you know with uh with um how the world is kind of operating and um it's kind of funny that i'm a dirt bike and oil and gas drilling rig kind of person my whole life but now you know trying to portray the the way it is and and helping companies in that matter it's very interesting um to, to be in this line of work as well okay okay uh climate change yay or nay uh well i'm looking out this my window at a foot of snow so that's why it's, it's called climate to... change doesn't mean you're there's a difference between weather and climate i think that's something we need to point out to a lot of people you're right <laughs> uh, i just came from a conference uh that was all um climate change related and uh the the details are i'm a very factual person and so Details are details for me, and I'm, that's just the way I've, the way I've, I kind of my brain operates. And so, um, the facts, I, I just, you got to look at the facts, and that's, that's the way it is. The world is, is what it is, and whatever we can do as human beings to, to preserve what we have is probably a good idea. And what, if we can in any way, in a good way, I think that's a responsibility we need to take. And, and so, either way, I'm, I'm, I'm all about responsible responsibility and taking it and doing what we can with it nice all right yeah we don't need to we don't need to get in too far in that stuff but uh yeah just uh just joking around since you're in that uh, in that and, and you're sitting in a bunch of snow but okay so let's talk yeah. about uh this past weekend let's let's move on to the silliness that was the red bull outliers now when i got a hold of you you'd already signed up for the thing you'd already planned on doing this thing yes somehow somewhere mark Dizdale, uh red bull convinced me that uh it was a good idea. <laughs> I had no bike, no nothing at that time. And so uh, I was, again, saying yes long before I knew how to appropriately fill the, the shoes here. Okay. Now, had you done the, when it was rocks and logs, have you done that? I never did, nope. You didn't do the rocks and logs. Okay, so I was going to ask you if this was tougher. but So this, I mean, set up right downtown Calgary, really cool. And then you're supposed to go to the Badlands kind of area for Sunday, right? But let's... Uh, Let's talk about what happened <laughs> Saturday morning. You get up, there's some snow, you go to the track. T tell us about the course and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, so 
I actually work about three blocks, maybe two blocks from Eau Claire where the race was being uh, held downtown here. And so I was taking, we got these new scooters you can rent out here downtown. And I'm sure as most cities across Canada may have. Um, yeah, so I take a scooter over there and check it out. Um, so course is looking great. It was a really cool setup through like one of the busier areas downtown Calgary here. Um, really nice area just off the, the river as well. And, and so the Friday looked phenomenal. We had scooted over there and kind of checked things out and, and it was looking really cool. And then, um, um, actually that was Thursday and then Friday, uh, the participation, um, or precipitation started coming down. Um, and I think they tried to, when we were going to try to do the track walk, they were trying to, uh, I think Shane was trying to take a lap around and was, uh, was uh, for the amount of talent that guy has riding a motorcycle. I think he even struggled a little bit with the amount of moisture on the track. And so, um, it's a little bit disappointing because the track looks so cool. And the, you know, the production team that was putting it all together, I, I believe was the same crew as like the crashed ice folks or, it looked like it. So the professionalism around the event was really cool, putting it all together. I think it was starting to draw lots of attention, um, being that there was like all this, this build, like what is a regular, like a big courtyard kind of thing, um, behind the kind of onlooks from a couple of, uh, uh balconies and, and, uh, patios from a couple of the restaurants and bars. And, and so, yeah, I think with, uh, with the moisture on the track, Shane struggled around the track a little bit. And so they had to really, kind of put in plan B don't know if they had plan B but uh had to really adapt the track a little bit more to make it um uh, doable for the average guy um and then I think uh they were putting down some stuff to trying to get some traction around there and maybe taking out a few obstacles to make it a little bit uh easier to clean being that it was a little wet and only more snow was to come um, and so the track, track who worked on that really hard, I think, I don't know how long they ended up working on it for, but, uh, the next morning, I think still, uh, was a little bit difficult to clean, took out a couple little extra obstacles there. And then that was it. It was time for us to go out for practice. And, and, uh, that was, that, you know, was what it was. And everybody kind of had to deal with the conditions at that point. Now I just, okay. I don't like, you know, angular logs and rock fields throw wet snow on them like could you even get it you got around the course yeah surprisingly it was uh i think tire selection really came down to uh the ultimate um you know decision maker and on your success on getting around the course in general and not just whether or not you're going to win or not it was if you could make it around the course with uh you had to have the right bike set up and the right tire set up or else it was basically you're better off just tied on tying the bike to your back and <laughs> and walking around with with the thing is that legal um, with that <laughs> is that legal uh, you know what i don't know I bet, <laughs> but i bet you anything there's a couple people that would have preferred to do that over the struggle that i watched them try to get around the course i think we watched uh like so the practice order was amateurs first and and uh you know probably was better off not watching because it, it didn't really <laughs> invoke a lot of confidence in me i was like oh man like that looks tough. Uh, people sliding all over the place. And, you know, just, I think just a little bit of experience as far as like knowing, you know, certain tire setups, there's these gummy tires you can get. And also um, if you're running tubes to get the right PSI, or if you're running a bib moose to really know how to soften it up, the, uh, right. you know, modifications with those. Um, so you can really tell if somebody has a really 
good tire setup, it basically looks flat. That's the only way you're getting traction out there. But you could tell a lot of some of the amateur riders anyways had their regular, you know, 15 PSI in there. And that just is not going to hook up because in between all the wet logs, it's just wet concrete or, or wet wood platforms. Oh, so it doesn't, doesn't matter where you're riding. There is no traction. Oh. Yeah. See, that's, I don't know where the, where the fun is in that, but it's, I guess it's when you get finished and you make it through, but okay. So take us through like you're, uh, you're racing the, like qualifying and all that stuff. Did you make it in? How'd it go? Who were the hot shots? Uh, what happened? So how it worked was we did practice, uh, practice qualifying times, put you into a heat race and then you're, it was a bracket style. So the first, out of the first heats, I believe top six went to the next heat and then, and then top six out of those two heats went to the final. Uh, so in practice, I struggled quite a bit with, uh, I think with, for me, it was just tire setup. I think I, I came into it with a plan and, um, I, uh, wasn't sure how low I could get my PSI in a safe fashion. <laughs> so I kind of played safe the first time and just had a little bit too much tire pressure in. And so I really struggled in practice, um, and then came in and basically deflated my tires down to two PSI. And, uh, and then after that ended up having a lot of traction, uh, for the conditions. Right. Um, so we boosted up traction in there. And so, um, so since I didn't really struggle to clear any of the obstacles in practice alone, didn't have a lot of confidence going into the heat, but with the, uh, you know, I only practiced twice before this event as well. So part of that onus is on me probably mm. getting out a little bit in advance, but, but still going into the first heat with, with a, you know, okay mindset and, uh, um, qualified into the next heat. And then, started actually riding pretty decent for my level of uh, comfort into this sort of discipline. Um, and then I ended up crashing, trying to pass a downed rider. Some of the motocross mindset in me is to like, is a little bit too rushed, I think. And so making decisions on the fly versus maybe just taking a second, finding a better line around it is, is a better idea than taking a big risk and it not panning out. And so ended up, going over the handlebars in a tire section, trying to pass the downed rider. And then got stuck there for about 30 seconds, which is almost, you know, half a lap of, of the, these guys coming around. And so I uh, don't even know how I finished that second one, but it wasn't enough to get me into the main okay. qualifier. And then, you know, by that point I was pretty disappointed to be honest, but um, at that point I wasn't too terribly worried about, uh, about it. I was just really, you know, my main goal wasn't really, I knew like big guys, like. Colton and, and Tristan and those guys, like I knew those guys were going to mop the floor with me, uh, with, with this stuff. And so I think the biggest opportunity that I wanted to take was to really just interact and, you know, being that the Calgary crowd was there, I didn't recognize a whole lot of the fans. So it was really cool to see that there was a lot of different, um, different people there, uh, getting to see who, uh, the motorcycle industry is there and, and bringing something to the, to light like that was really cool. So, it was fist pumping lots of people, lots of kids, and and that was kind of like the main the main kind of idea of the weekend. Okay, now you mentioned other motocrossers. Let's talk about uh, your buddy. You mentioned already um, Keelan Meston. Uh, how did he fare? Did you see him? Were you out there together at all? Yeah. So Keelan was uh, he put in some serious work um, for this event. It was cool to see uh, his uh, his work ethic. Uh, blended right into obviously getting ready for a race like this. Uh, he took it real seriously, and it was great to see um, he you know, was out at the track quite often um, in advance and, and really working on his setup with 
with Kenny at TNT there and uh, with his suspension and and they got a really good setup in for him and he really uh, I think he adapted well to the to the to the event. Um, the guy just works. He just works hard and uh, so he ended up. You know, I don't know exactly how his qualifiers went, but he obviously qualified down to the main event and I think he ended up like a fifth. I'm thinking. Okay. Um, but, but I'm not too certain on that, but maybe don't quote me on that, but he did really well. It was really cool to see his, his work ethic really paid off for him. I saw he really uh, really jumped in there, too. He had his goggles on backwards on top of his helmet and everything. Totally. It was kind of funny. We were all joking around as a <laughs> handful of motocross guys. We were all training down at the track there a couple nights before the, and they, you know, a handful of motocross guys had their goggles on in the, the backwards fashion. And they're like, oh, we get it. We understand why we see it so often because slower speeds and the fog up real hard because it's just a different discipline that Daryl Cross you're just you're out of your comfort zone for me like 100% of the time and so you end up working <laughs> twice as hard as you want to oh man okay so so you didn't make it into the final uh nope. was it uh pretty impressive you got a, like watching Colton Haker and stuff ride like that it's uh I remember I was at a, a KTM uh ride down in California and I'm like I am not riding an enduro in front of Colton Haker I can see him standing mm-hmm. there I'm like no no I'm not going Pretty impressive, yeah. or what? Yeah, those guys are. It's it is fascinating to see how um, how comfortable and how talented they are in this in this arena. Um, and it just, I mean, obviously, it's a it's a a result of the amount of effort and work they put into to becoming that level of athlete, um, as it is with any sport. But yeah, it, it is actually just fascinating to watch, you know, those guys and how they can handle those obstacles and just like the bike control and, and, uh, but just the level of comfort to me is just, it's fascinating to watch. Right. Hey, did you ever jump out of that roller section, that crazy wooden rolling thing? Uh, I, I didn't jump out of it. Like I took that line quite often because it, it was way easier effort than driving through a bunch of rocks and logs. <laughs> yeah. Um, for me, I was like, well, I'm not even like sure it's faster, but if I can't even hold on anymore, so I'm just going <laughs> to take this line. Um, but honestly, if it was dry, I might have been a bit more inclined to do it. But uh, I think um, Palmer was the only guy jumping out of that. I think I've seen Spendy jump out of it once, too, as well. But that was a pretty cool line. <laughs> nice. Okay. All right. So you uh, licked your wounds, went home, had something to eat, yep. had a night, mm-hmm. watched the snowfall overnight, and got up. And then uh, Sunday, you were supposed to head out. I don't exactly know where you're supposed to go, but what was Sunday supposed to be? Yeah. So we drove about halfway to uh to uh, i think it's stevieville is what it's called and which is kind of in it's <laughs> it's like north of brooks quite into like the dinosaur park area and so oh, okay. really cool really interesting area um and to be honest i think even uh saturday night there was no snow on the ground so we drove about halfway and uh had a pit stop and just, just to get halfway, because we just figured the roads would be kind of gnarly in the morning. And so the, uh, and where we stopped, there was not, they didn't get any moisture whatsoever. And that was about an hour outside of town. And so we thought, uh, we thought we had a little bit of high hopes. And then, yeah, we just woke up the next morning, uh, to about two inches. Uh, oh, we kind of knew that, uh, that it was going to be gnarly, you know, cancel it. But, um, you know, we got out there, so we drove out there. The roads were pretty gnarly, uh, being that they weren't like main highway roads uh, to get there. Uh, just some back roads, so a lot of snow collected on the roads, and just getting there was a race in its own, an enduro in its own. Uh, 
<laughs> and then, um, yeah, we rolled in just in time for, for the events about 10 minutes after we rolled in. Uh, they had called it, I think, again, Shane tried to, to clear one or two of the sections and, and with the amount of snow that was just freshly laid, it was pretty much impossible in that in that clay. I, I, I had been out hiking in similar area, you know, about a month before this, and it had rained like two days before I hiked and I could barely walk up like a like a 30 degree incline. And so I can imagine what it would have been like trying to make it up those in, in freshly laid snow. All right. Now, were there like, uh, how would you say this? How was the event? Was there, even with the threat of snow and stuff, were there a lot of people or was it uh, well-received? What do you think? Uh, as far as uh, like racer participation? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, actually, I think I think over 100 people had uh, signed up for day one, um, which I think, you know, signed up for day one, day two collectively. But I think a lot of people had, uh, had signed up and were really looking forward to just having the motocross uh, off-road uh, scene come into a major city downtown like this. Right. I don't know where it's happened before as far as an outdoor enduro like that has happened in the middle of the city in, in Calgary, um, so to speak, is uh, I think just brought a lot. There was like a handful of pro moto guys that came across and, and I've seen a few amateur motocross guys as well taking taking their stab at the event. And so I think it was uh, obviously I think a few people, I think quite a few people got scared away by the weather, which is totally fair. Um, it's like torture for a lot of people trying to drive around a track like that. That's wet. Um, so I think the event was well received and for, for racers alike, I think most people were just excited to see kind of the something different, you know, in the, in the racing scene. Cause you know, what we see from year after year is pretty, um, you know, similar, pretty much the same year to year to year. And this was a cool attempt, I think, at breaking into a bit more of the mainstream, I and uh, allowed uh, allowed that for an opportunity, and so I think people are excited about it. And uh, you know, weather even weather aside, I think it was cool to see the amount of people that did show up. And um, as far as spectators go, I think it was even cooler. I think that was the main thing was to 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 bring this to public light a bit more in that sense. And it was really cool to see the amount of people out and lots of like tons of kids on on the shoulders of of their parents trying to oversee and. <clears throat> get there, get the views of the track. And, um, again, I think I, there was for sure a few hundred people watching the event, um, which I think probably would have been tripled, uh, easily had it been, you know, even above zero <laughs> with some sunshine. Nice. Nice. Yeah. It's tough, right? You got a, a first year event. I mean, obviously rocks and logs has been before, but kind of changing to this. And then, I mean, no, the weather was just, uh, crapping on everybody worldwide with the motocross of nations, mm-hmm. with you guys there, with the, the rally out out in Red Mountain with us here, That's people right. trying to ride Supercross practice track. It was uh, it was a tough one, <laughs> jeez, to schedule. An yeah, event no on. kidding. Man, okay, so what? Uh, so everybody just kind of said, "Yep, you're right. We should cancel it," and everybody just went home, and that was it, I guess. Yeah, I think everybody was. Uh, you know, there's. You know, I don't think a whole like I don't think a lot of people were quite there yet when they made the the uh, call to cancel it. So. <clears throat> like there were still quite a few people out there like racer wise ready to rock and roll already uh, a few people had camped out there and so i think um you know most people were probably disappointed as far as getting the opportunity to race such a cool event at a cool terrain right. however i think people were also you know more than okay to uh not sit in you know the cold snow all day long and so i think most people headed back for some some coffees and some hot tubs and wherever they could find the closest warm place and have some food but 
you know, overall, I don't think anybody was disappointed in, in, um, in the call as far as like what, what had to be done, had to be done. I don't think there's any, like any people disappointed in it or anything like that, which, you know, I definitely think everybody thought it was unfortunate that the weather kind of timing like that, but you know, they put on such a great event and to see them kind of like with day one, <clears throat> they had the ability to cancel if they wanted to, but they, you know, they hustled and really put a lot of work in to make it work. And so that was cool to see them. Like, they're like, Hey, this is happening rain or shine. And no matter, no matter what, how much work they had to do to make it work on Saturday, they could. And then with Sunday, I just don't think they had to, you know, they couldn't, <clears throat> you can't do much with natural terrain of that degree uh, and the ability to safely perform, <clears throat> perform the races. So there's nothing really they could do with the weather out there. So it's nothing in their control. Um, but on day one, it was really cool to see them react to that and really put in uh, the plans. You know, it's, it, to me, it looked like they had it planned out how to how to make sure everything, no matter what conditions, could fly. So it was really cool to see that happen. Okay, now what about, um, I mean, obviously they would have had an award ceremony planned and they would have had maybe an after party. Did Red Bull or Fox come up with anything like that? Did you guys get together on Sunday evening? Uh, nothing on Sunday. I think, um, being that it was about two hours, maybe more from Calgary, um, on Sunday. So by the time the event would have ended, I don't think much people really thought about what was, um, what the plan would have been. And so, you know, either I wasn't invited or, or I didn't partake, (laughs) which is, which is very well possible. You know, I'm not always invited to all the parties. If I'm not the one starting the party, I'm not invited. So that's why I had to do all the party starts back in the day if I wanted to have friends. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> uh, right. But there was, a, I think, the, like a little, as far as the awards thing, uh, like Saturday they did their, their podium award. And then I think, you know, just weather predating, I think they just kind of utilized that as the kind of awards. Right. Yeah. All right. Well, it's, I mean, it's so unfortunate when something like that happens. That's what uh, that's what we get trying to have events outdoors, though. So it, uh, you never know. Yeah, true enough. But, uh, especially in Calgary. Not to knock Calgary again. You know, I mean, it's your hometown now, but, uh, man, sometimes we're nervous coming there in June. Oh, totally. It's, uh, I don't think I've had a race in Calgary where I've been like, this is for sure going to be nice, sunny, and warm all weekend. <laughs> There's always, if it's a big race, like, I think every national that I can remember, I've been sitting on the gate, whether it's an MX1, MX2, where there's been hail digging off the starting gate cover or whatever the case is it's just it just happens i don't know what uh the mountain ranges are always brewing up something for us to to contend with and so it keeps us on our toes that's for sure right if anyone's listening to this calgary sits just on the eastern edge of the rocky mountains where the plains where the great plains begin to quote uh <laughs> gord downey but uh, no um totally. yeah so i mean it's just uh, those mountains just you never know what you're gonna get totally but okay but I, well, I don't well, let's uh, let's 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 run it to a close here, man. What's um, first of all, what's uh, well, I get what's next. What are we gonna get you to do next? Hmm, that's a good question. Um, got to get some, so I have a goal to work towards. You know, I'm gonna maybe, find something maybe, skiing maybe or snowboarding extra in advance. <laughs> we're and put, I can actually be prepped. <laughs> we're, put, we're putting you in a Lake Louise downhill ski race. Oh, that one will be tough. I might not recover <laughs> from that one. I might have to have. I might have to hire a stunt double for that one. <laughs> we're gonna go to the uh we'll send you to sun peaks and do the speed skiing challenge i think i can get the top speed but slowing down might be a might be a challenge <laughs> <laughs> all right jared well man it's 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 always fun chatting with you it's always fun you know these i mean if it was a normal motocross race it, there wouldn't be so much fun and kind of 
whatever in it. But these things are challenging. They're just different. It's uh, just kind of fun to get your take on them and, and have you go try to do them. It's just, uh, it's fun. I want to keep doing Absolutely. it in the future. I am always down to uh, put myself through some sort of rigorous entertainment and uh, being able to explain it moment by moment is, is something I enjoy doing. And so <laughs> anything you got, let's uh, throw it my way. It's got two wheels. All right. Uh, if anybody's listening out I'm there, open to it. if anyone's listening, Jared Stock. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's do it. Let's hear it. Let's see what you guys got. Okay, man. Well, I know there were, there were, uh, I, you mentioned a couple things, but I know there are some people that came together to make this happen for you. Why don't you, uh, who, who'd you like to thank, man? I think in general, um, uh, you know, just a Red Bull for putting on that event and, uh, and Shane for all their efforts. It was really cool to, um, to be able to participate in something like that. And, and it's it kind of mark in, in history and, and what hopes to be something that we can carry forward. Um, and then, um, you know, Jay at Fox really helped me out with, uh, um, getting everything organized and, and helping the event and grow the, the attention of the event as well. Um, and Fox Gear has been been a big supporter here in the last little while, so that's been great to work with them. Uh, Ken TNT Racing Development, uh, he borrowed me his bike, his brand new 2020 TPI, which <laughs> which was uh, crazy. I think most people would call that crazy to borrow me a bike for Red Bull Rocks and Logs brand new 10 hour bike. But uh, Kenny and I have been working together for since 2015 as a as he's been my suspension guy, and I've been doing a lot of testing for him and his settings as well. So um he's you know a lot of trust in me and so we we partnered together to get that suspension dialed in and uh and so that was really cool um really really grateful for that and then obviously with you guys at director just an opportunity to uh to get a platform to to speak about the event and help do my part in uh, growing the sport as well so always appreciate the opportunity for that as well for sure all right well hey yeah we uh we certainly appreciate everything that uh that you're doing there it's great and you're, you know, it's good to have someone who can tell the story nicely and have some fun. And it was good uh, with the, the Instagram story stuff. That was kind of fun to be uh, posting those up for from you and stuff like that. Totally. So that was fun to follow totally. along. And I, I had some help on the Instagram. Kristen was running my Instagram all weekend. So it was great. I had her help. So she she rocks as well. Oh, nice. Okay. Well, excellent. Uh, there's no money in it for her, but... Uh... <laughs> yeah, I told her uh, I told her the paycheck was coming, uh, <laughs> but... Uh, I may have gotten the wrong address, so she might be waiting a while. Yeah, tell her to get out and wait by the mailbox. It'll be, I'm sure it'll be there. Yeah, it'll be there. I said by 2021, we should see some paychecks coming. <laughs> All right, well, hey. We uh, do a good enough job. What's that? I said if we do a good enough job. Yeah, yeah, sure. It's, it's coming. It's coming. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jerry. Well, let's, uh, let's wrap it up there, man. That's, uh, that's been great chatting with you. I mean, you got a work, it's a work day for you tomorrow. Uh, it's still a work day for me after I hang up the phone. I got another probably four or five hours of work to do before I can go back to work tomorrow morning. So oh, okay. I'm brewing a cup of coffee and getting ready to rock and roll an all nighter game. Yikes. Okay. <laughs> all right. Well, Hey, thank you very much for taking the time to talk with us, having fun there. Too bad it didn't go as nicely as it could have there. I mean, uh, the next one, the next one will be perfect. Totally. Yeah. I'm okay with, uh, whatever. The next one is maybe a rally event of some sort. That sounds fun. Ooh, okay. All right. Sounds good to me. All right, Jared. We'll end right. it there, man. Thank you very much for talking, and Thanks, uh, we will keep in touch. Sounds great. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Bye now.